Welcome to Emergency Room, the COVID Diaries, a podcast that tells the story of how the COVID-19 pandemic swept across America and continues to sweep across America from the perspective of the staff of a large American hospital. My name's Guy Madison. I'm a registered nurse and uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was working in the emergency rooms and ICUs of Harborview Medical Center, a level one trauma center in Seattle, Washington. And uh, I was coordinating the uh, COVID admissions to the hospital and the COVID testing. These diaries will introduce you to my colleagues and co-workers who have showed up every single day of the pandemic to treat and care for those taken by this deadly disease continuing to do so to this very day. I'm Matthew Hall, a journalist with absolutely no medical background whatsoever. Sometimes that's a good thing. We're going to provide a rarely heard inside account of how frontline medical staff responded to the virus and how they cared for those infected by it. The story is told through the eyes of Guy, who was responsible for the day-to-day and night-to-night emergency room response for incoming COVID-19 patients, as well as other hospital officials and medical staff. I'm the least interesting thing about this podcast, but I'm here to ask all the dumb questions. Questions like, Guy, who takes your blood pressure and vital signs when you arrive at a hospital? That's a great question, Matthew. And let me tell you that it is different people from different disciplines within medicine. Most commonly though, if it's outside of an intensive care unit, it's going to be a medical assistant that actually takes your vital signs, your blood pressure, your temperature, your heart rate, and um, does that initial assessment of uh, your vital signs when you come into the hospital. That can be in the emergency room. If you go to a clinic, that's usually a medical assistant doing it there. And then quite often up in the acute care areas, They're the parts of the hospital, the regular wards where you're not in an intensive care situation. Um, The medical assistants and hospital assistants will do that job up there. That allows the nurses to do other tasks more focused on their license, which is provide medications, do in-depth physical assessments of the patient and do the teaching that's required in medicine for the patient. So sometimes it'll be a nurse that takes your blood pressure and your vital signs, particularly in the ICU, but the great majority of times it's a medical assistant or a hospital assistant. I got another question, Guy. Mm -hmm. How do people practice drawing blood or giving vaccinations? Ah, well... There are some people that draw blood that are called phlebotomists that just specialize in that task and don't do anything else, phlebotomists. But generally, the people drawing your blood for the greatest amount of time in a hospital and giving you vaccinations and other injections in uh, subcutaneous and intramuscular injections are nurses. We learn that skill at school for the injections, like practicing to give a vaccine, we would practice on an orange because it kind of mimics the the turga. That's the feel of um, human skin. And you can practice plunging the needle into an orange or a lemon without uh, having to practice on a real living patient. Drawing blood's a little bit more difficult. Initially at nursing school, we practiced on each other to, um, to identify the veins and to actually get the real experience of drawing blood out of each other. We do now have anatomical models made of latex and other plastic substances, uh, uh, plastic materials that you can practice drawing blood out of. 
I wouldn't trust a fellow student with my lunch, let alone sticking a needle into me and pulling blood out of me. That that that's real team bonding there, guy. It is, and it has a secondary positive effect because it puts you when you are the practice, uh, the practiced object, <laughs> the blood being drawn from. It puts you in the situation of the patient, which allows you to appreciate what it's like to be somebody that has their blood drawn. In our last episode, episode five, we spoke to Darcy Jaffe, who used to be the chief nursing officer at Harborview, but now she is the vice president of quality and safety at the Washington State Hospital Association. And Darcy gave us a fantastic interview, packed full of interesting information on how we coordinate at both a state and a national level to provide quality and safety care. Uh, This episode, we're going to speak to Bahani Kellett. Bahani is a medical assistant at Harborview Medical Center in the float pool, and he's a specialist on something we call the lift team. And we're going to let Bahani tell us exactly what that lift team is. My name is Bahani Khalid. I work in Harborview since 2003 as a, a lift team. I work for like 18 years. And lift team is uh, a group of two people which we turn bariatric patients and in different uh, patient area, we uh, we use some equipments and transfer patients on and off from the bed. And in case if you have like some kind of falls in within Harborview, me and my other groups, we uh, transfer patients uh, using so many precautions. And that's my job for the last 18 years. Why, why is that a specialist job? Why do you have to be a specialist to lift patients? Obviously, it is a special job, but but tell us why. Yeah, it is a, it is like you get a training for this. Uh, we have certain equipments with the weight limit. Nobody can lift uh, a person like up on, on the floor or, and uh, we use so many precautions, including with the other group of nurses and doctors. And we have to transfer them with so many precautions to take them to the uh, x-ray area or radiology area. It's about keeping everyone safe, right? Because most of, a lot of the injuries that happen to staff in hospital are injuries trying to lift or turn people. And so we have a specialist group, which is you guys, that help with that so that people don't get hurt at work, right? That's, that's very true, yeah. I know it's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week team, right? So there's people on the night shift, on the day shift, every day of the week there, right? Yeah, there is. Uh, let me explain about that. There is a, a group of four people on the day shift, and uh, which is makes them two pairs. And on the night shift, one pair, which is a two uh, group of people. So this is like we go from floor to floor. Those patients we need us for lift team, and we turn them side to side. And we have like lift team on the uh, ceiling, lift on the ceiling, and those patients they don't have to sleep on the same spot for uh, ever. We have to turn them side to side with the nurses it needs a, a skill to turn those patients using this ceiling lift and besides that we have a mobile uh, what you call device which we call uh, golvo the golvo is for for example if in patient came and they are on the wheelchair they cannot go to the procedure uh, table me with my experience with my other people we transfer them from the wheelchair 
to the exam table so that they can take x-ray or they can have what you call surgery. Does that make sense, uh, Matthew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I now fully understand what the lift team does. Let me make another, uh, like uh, Guy said, it's uh, 24 hours, seven days a week. It has to be secured and because hardware, like even uh, family members, if they uh, came and fall, like me and my other, my other colleagues, we have to get them up from the floor. No one can get them up because they might get injury here or there. We don't know. So with extra precautions, without touching to that area, we have to uh, lift them up and take them to the proper uh, place they can uh, take examine. Do, do you ever have a patient who doesn't want to be lifted up, who says, no, you're not touching me? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, there is, but uh, you have to convince them, like you have to have uh, so many, you know, words that can convince to that, to that patient. And if in case, like he said, he refused, uh, we have to let them, the other people so that they can come and convince them. Otherwise, he has to go one way or the other. We cannot leave a person in the floor for quite time, no, no. You work in every part of the hospital, right? In the ICUs, on the regular acute care floors, in the radiology department all over right so people yeah. have to be, have to be moved and turned in all those situations because the work of the hospital needs to go on right correct and as you know guy i am one of the founders of the lift team whenever we have like even a difficult or uh, like complicated transfer they call me and i'm part of that it's not about your muscle it's about the skill you have to uh, turn those patients or like, for example, some people, they don't get shower. You have to transfer them to the shower and then they can give them shower and then we help them back to the bed. So this is like moving patients from, the, we cannot leave a patient in the bed uh, and we have to move them off from the bed on to the chair and to the table, to the stretcher, to the exam table. So there is inpatient and outpatient they came so that they need uh, our hand. Yeah, and you have you have to be able to assess the need of the patient. So there's an assessment part to the job too, which is part of your training, right? Correct. So what we do is like, uh, for example, if uh, a patient admitted yesterday, which I don't know, I have to ask the, uh, his uh, primary nerves so that if he has injury here and there, I will be aware of that and then we can go from there. So I don't go there and turn that patient or transfer that patient. And with the PTOT, like we assess them and then transfer them. So there is so many ways you have to know before you act to that particular person or patient. Um, Bahani, what do you like about your job? Uh, I like my job. You know, I got a feedback from uh, so many uh, patients and uh, my coworkers, who, of course, the, uh, the nurses and uh, some of the physicians or the managers like a guy you know they uh they admire my skill after we try some some sometimes you know patients when they refuse we convince them and then i transfer i have so many skills or maybe way of talking you know to uh, convince that patient and then after they get up they happy you know they see differently different world and that way i'm happy i got uh, so many you know even when i go home i i was i'm thinking about that and i get like uh, you know i'm i'm happy and that's why 
I keep my jobs away I'm doing. And like he said, you know, that makes me very, very happy. And uh, I get feedback from so many people the last 15, 18 years. And that's why when they evaluate me, they evaluate me good. And uh, whenever I need a little training, I get more training how to make the patients happy and myself and my other uh, co-workers. But I have a very serious question. Okay. If I'm at home and I'm sitting on the couch watching television and it's time to go to bed, can I text you and say, Bahani, come over and take me from the couch to the bed? Uh, I will definitely, you are my friend, but the only thing problem I have is you are United fan. <laughs> <laughs> then you should want to put me to bed. Yeah, yes, I should. I should. That's my job. You know, I will. I will. Yeah, sometimes they scare people off when they see they are physical. Uh, like sometimes I experience like 700, 800 pounds, sometimes one time or two times. And there is a machine we have to, there is a machine which is uh, for uh, like under 500 pounds and there is a machine more than 500 pounds. So we don't have to go and ask that person how much he weighs, but through the nurses or through his uh, chart, we know that that patient is like, for example, 600 or 700. I have to use, there is only one machine in Harborview, they call it Easy Lift. I use that about in a month, five or six times average for a person who is weights more than 500 pounds. So with that machine, I have to use for those who weight more than 500 pounds. Otherwise, I cannot use with the other one in case if it's uh, broken or uh, some kind of uh, uh, what you call damage, it's our responsibility. That's why I train people which one to use, which one not to use. Mm-hmm. That's a great illustration of how specialized um, the lift team is, that just two people on a lift team can move a person who's more than 500 pounds around, which uh, correct. Is, and is a let lot. Let me add one thing. Yeah, let me add to you, Guy and uh, Matthew, at the same time. There is a, uh, we call it hover jack or mattress. And especially like me, even the staff, they might get hurt to lift a person. So what we do is if, for example, a person is on the floor, we use a special mattress, like a mattress which blows to this level, like uh, I would say three, four feet. And then that mattress blows the person up to this level and we can move him to the bed. So easy, don't use your muscle, don't use your, don't hurt yourself, don't hurt others and don't hurt the person, the patient. And there is a hover jack or mattress which we blow like air mattress and we use that sometimes too. So there yeah. is a need of that too. Yeah. So that's very important that I didn't mention it earlier. So that, uh, that device is very important too. So there is no one left behind whoever is uh, the weight, the, uh, anything, we have to do it in Harborview using the machine I told you, even in the floor, on the bed, doesn't matter his weight, doesn't matter wherever uh, his injury, we can relate to that. So, uh, for example, they need for surgery, for uh, x-ray, for, for anything or from the floor, we have to have 
that person to move on from where he is or she is to the particular area. So they are all set. So whenever we have to date, like me, they call me, even sometimes in the car, I didn't mention it. Sometimes the patients, they came in the car and they cannot get off. So they call us <laughs> and we have to get them off because this person, you know, somehow, some way, he cannot get in. He cannot get off from the car. And me and my other, uh, I have another person who ever work with me. So I have to call him and uh, figure out how the person has to go from the car to the wheelchair and take him to the to, the, to where he is. Uh, he has appointment. I think that's uh, that makes us a little look good. And we have to do this. And this is how we do the 24 hours and seven days a week. And we have the same pager like me. I have I, I will have her. I will have it for 12 hours and it beeps and I will call those, those units and find out what their need is and then go to that particular unit and help them. Perfect. This is really interesting. So, Berhani, we've heard from managers and high up nurses and people with um, responsibility for like the whole state about when they first heard about COVID. But you're actually working on the floor with patients in the hospital. When did you first hear about COVID? I heard from new CNN and I was like, <laughs> wow, what is this? You know, what's going to impact me? And I, to be honest with you, I first scared. And uh, because I go from where, from one place to another place, you know, and me, myself and my patients, you know, I have contact with so many patients because they know me because I go over and over to them, you know, and I was scared. And this is between, uh, what is this, you know? And I was scared. I was reading and asking people, even sometimes stupid question to my, uh, you know, coworkers. And you know, what is this? You know, what? And the impact was, after day and day, you know, I was like feeling, you know, a little bit scared and scared myself and scared to the my my lovely uh, people, you know. And then after I get encouraged, and then after I get certain training about how to protect it up. Nowadays, I'm not lying to you. I'm like, I'm okay with that. I'm this the level I'm, I'm okay now. It's not like I'm scared like the way I scared before. Did you have to wear PPE and? Yes, because they told me I have to wear PPE because of my, what do you call this? Like uh, guy, being... my friend, you see that like, uh, unless I am shaving <laughs> the mustache and unless because the air will come back from, from this and that and uh, i have to wear ppe like the uh, uh, main one and i'm um, i'm comfortable with that and uh, sometimes we have a fall like covid patient falls you know i have to run and help that person you know to get him up from the floor so it is uh it's not like the first i was scared and because we have to wipe our equipment and leave it for 12 hours in order to avoid cross-contamination. So we were like very aware of this. We get trained, like I get, I intentionally get twice trained because I want to know how to protect myself, my my patients and my family and everybody, you know, it's, it comes first from me and then to others. So I, I have to take extra precautions for this because like me, I have to go see maybe 15 people. So 
I have to. Since then, I never had this, and I I think I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah. So. So I'm going to ask Bahani. Like me, I've worked with not as many COVID positive patients as you have. I'm sure you see a number of COVID positive patients every week and have to help them with turns and stuff. But I've not got sick the whole time that COVID's been mm -hmm. with us. Have you got sick? No. So, like like I told you, I never. But. Uh, at first, you know, first when the COVID starts, it was like, you don't know what's going on. But now we have to have extra precautions. There is TO the, uh, outside the door and uh, we don't get that often because I have to go see other people and they don't give us sometimes COVID, you know, because they understand that like me, I have to see uh, 15 or 20 people. So to get a COVID, unless it is very important, uh, for COVID, I, I will spend like at least 30 minutes or 25 minutes. So for other non-COVID patients, I will spend maybe five or 10 minutes, maybe the most 15 minutes. So consuming the time, some some staff, since they are inside, they might not use me. Am I making sense? So yeah. the other people, you know, if they really need me, yes, of course, I have to uh, use my uh, precautions and go inside and help them. So. This time yeah. I'm very comfortable to go there and use the PP and help them out and go out and I have to use the guidelines how to protect and the people have to help me to clean up myself and go to the next patient. Yeah. So you bring up a really good point, Bahani, that um, normally when you interact with patients, you can get your job done in a certain amount of time, but when you have to help the COVID patients, it takes a lot longer to do the same job, right? So the, the COVID patients Correct. essentially slow everything down in the hospital. For example, I had four COVID patients one time, and if it's COVID for COVID, I will, you know, the others I might, you know, I might not go there because with this each 20, 20 minutes, let's just give it a little time, 20, 20 minutes, I might spend more time for them than the others. So we had a huddle about this. We talked to the management. It's not we don't want to do it, but it's like like you say, it is consuming of time. So, but now since it's getting down, we might have one, sometimes no, sometimes two, sometimes, you know, we can manage with that. So uh, I think it's manageable now. And I don't know the census, I don't know how much COVID we have right now, but it looks like, very much better than before, I think. It is. And I noticed that today there's a notice at the hospital that we have a very high census, a lot of patients in the hospital, but our COVID numbers are down, which is important, as you say, because if we don't have to spend the extra time with COVID, we can help all the other patients, right? And Correct. we have a lot. How yes. And it, yeah, we're going to be e efficient and effective. Yes. Yes. How many people do, the, do you see on a regular shift? You're busy all shift long. Uh, you mean uh, COVID patients? No, just regular patients. How many do you oh, see? Oh, regular patients, I will have, like sometimes we have short, nowadays in Harvard we have short of HAs. Uh, 15 to 20 people I have to turn or transfer uh, in two hours. So I have to go every two hours, rotate, you know, those people. And in between those rounds, I might get calls from OR, surgery unit, or X-ray, or some places in, in the clinic area. The clinic is including uh, my responsibility, including the NJB, Norris and Jefferson building. So 
Average, I will transfer, I will say, six to seven people on and off, like get them up and put them back. This is the extra besides I turn 15 or 16 patients. So you guys are super busy all day long. A trip to the morgue. We took the body of an elderly COVID-19 patient down to the morgue. They had died in the intensive care unit a few hours earlier. There was no family there with this patient at the time of their death. No visitors were allowed. We transported the body to the morgue ourselves, the nurses, to reduce the amount of healthcare workers that had interacted with the potentially infectious corpse. It would normally have been done by the hospital assistants. I'd been to the morgue many times before, but the other two nurses accompanying me on this transport, it was their first time. People always have a strange reaction to entering the morgue for the first time. A gasp or exclamation is not uncommon. Sometimes people actually shiver. It is pretty cold in there. They were surprised at how full and informal it was. The bodies just lying there on gurneys, no shelving, no doors. Unfortunately, there was a body that the death shroud, which is a white plastic bag with a zipper, that the entire corpse is enclosed in before we transfer it to the morgue, had been opened and one hand was laying out. A ghostly white hand appearing from the shroud. This was a break in protocol. A couple of us noticed, but nobody chose to mention it, drawing attention to the dead in their company as the veneer of disrespect. This came up later in a discussion that we had with the house supervisor. We had noticed, and apparently others had too, that there was a report to the house supervisor of a body that was not in order in the morgue. Many theories were bandied around. Perhaps it was the coroner's office or one of the undertaker companies. The hand that was visible was neither male nor female. At that point, the livid appendage, almost animal-like, seemingly not human. Do you feel safe? Do you feel safe with COVID? Yes, I feel safe because I have to use time, precautions, every prevention, and I don't have to rush whenever I help someone in there because the person need me and I have to help him because I already tell my body this person is in need of me and I have to help him. And uh, I have to use extra precaution to help myself, to protect myself, others, and my family. Yeah, I, I was going to ask about your family. How do they feel about you going to work somewhere there's COVID? Let me tell you one personal thing. My, I have a wife. She came like uh, eight months ago and she's pregnant now. Maybe you see her walking here. And Congratulations. She's pregnant. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sharing with you guys because you are my friends. <laughs> and now I have to protect myself and her. But since I... I have so many precautions and prevention is over there. I feel comfortable. I'm okay with that. I wash my hands frequently. I do masks. I do this. I do that. The way, you know, even in grocery, you get this, uh, what you call uh, COVID. So I learned this from my experience. Now I have to get my precautions and do my best. What do you think is the, is the number one precaution? 
First, I have to start from the staff, not from the patient. The, uh, I believe this, everybody knows that, you know, first it is me or the doctor or the nurse has to be, you know, cross-contaminated. So we have to use this extra precaution starting from the door, inside the door and after. And then because since we're going to go to from one room to other room, uh, we have to be careful and take time. You have to use time. So use clean hands, clean gloves, clean machine and extra precautions. And I think you're good to go. The TO will help you outside the door and you're good to go. Rushing is number one uh, cause of, uh, you know, this cross-contamination. Uh, we don't have to rush. Yeah. We talked a lot about the TOs with other people and how important they are. Correct. Did, yeah. Did you, feel sa- did you feel safer at work after you got vaccinated? Yes. That's why I am from the first person. Uh, I take this vaccine. I don't hear any news, you know, because I I feel like this will prevent me. And I am they, my coworkers even laugh on me and I am the first. And besides now, I am the first to, to get this booster. So I'm good to go. You know, I believe on this and then I'm healthy. I'm OK. I believe I'm healthy. So far, so good. Thanks, God. So I'm good to go. <laughs> yes, me too. And I'm glad I got my booster as well, as is everyone that works at the hospital, I think. Yeah, I got the booster, yeah. This helps because you talked about a lot of the things that other people talked about as well. So it helps reinforce how important all the precautions we have are throughout the whole hospital at every level. Like there's been a lot of talk about how the trained observers, the TOs help everyone. And I think it's important to, but it also tells the story of how difficult it's made just the hospital, all this extra stuff, the extra time, the extra people, the extra precautions because of COVID. And that's kind of part of the story we want to tell is how it's been made much more difficult than people might imagine. Yes. And, and overall, you know, that we have shortage of uh, HA, uh, you know, uh, this is what's happening because I think with the COVID, uh, it impacts everybody. We impacted as uh, me, you know, I impacted because I lose my uh, helpers, but Overall, you know, we manage because it's a difficult time and uh, I have to be like, instead of one person, I have to be as two person. So that's the only thing. Otherwise, I think we can pass these difficult times. They cannot get me another person because they don't have, you know, enough Mm -hmm. staff. So that was the only uh, thing going on. Otherwise, I think we manage this and we are good to go. Yeah. We've lost nurses and we've lost HAs because of That's the true. because of the the pandemic, and we've probably lost some doctors too. But and payment too. Uh, some other uh, units they pay them. I think more than we uh, get paid. That for example, that me, I as a person as lifting MA Prahane, I stay here because I love my coworker more than money. I see the uh, love, the care, everything in here, and the benefit I have is. You know, that makes me uh, 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 staying here. I cannot go anywhere. But some people, you know, they think like the young generation, because they get paid more than we get paid in here, they live. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I I agree with you 100%. We see um, nurses, and I don't blame them if they're, um, because they're young and they need more money, to do the things they need in life. They're finding jobs that pay them more money because of COVID. Um, Correct. And I don't blame them for that, but it is hard for us that are left, that are left there. 
Yeah, even the TO, like the one, uh, my friends, I see them outside the door, they get paid like 50 or $60 an hour, which is not comparable with me. But, you know, I don't know. It's, they say that the, uh, what you call the benefit I have and things like that, that makes them, I don't know, not to get paid to that level. So, but now they raise us, I don't know, three point something, which is, I'm okay with that. I will stay in this with whatever they pay me. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did personally. We, we got a raise, and I'm glad that you want to stay behind him because if if people like you <laughs> left, we would lose we would lose a lot at the hospital. I'll, because I work long enough, I I cannot experience. go nowhere now. <laughs> But honey, you have to promise me one thing. What that's a promise for you, my friend? <laughs> that your newborn baby will be called Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, no. I, oh, don't take me wrong. I like personally that uh, player from since I was young. But now since he joined the uh, Manu. Hey, sorry, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That was Bahani Kellett. He's a medical assistant at the Harborview Medical Center and works in the float pool and the specialist on the lift team. Yeah, I think it was great to hear from uh, Bahani and uh, people like Bahani who work at the hospital, who are hospital assistants, medical assistants, and other jobs like that, our cleaning staff, our environmental staff, our nutrition staff, the people in the, in the kitchens. These people are all vital. They're just as vital as nurses and doctors. We're all part of a big team and everyone plays their special role on that team. Just as we heard, it's vital that Bahani has a lift team and that he's part of the greater team that we have at Harborview. Speaking of teams, to be honest, I wasn't sure how that interview would go because Bahani's a Liverpool fan in the champ in the English Premier League and occasionally the Champions League, and me being a Manchester United supporter for a very long time, I thought it could get a little tense in there sometimes, but we managed to put those things aside and get through it okay. Good luck to you, Bahani. Yes, good luck indeed. And Matthew was a little outnumbered, as Man U fans often are, because I too am a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Uh, join us next time for the next episode of Emergency Room, The COVID Diaries. If you can, please rate and review us on whatever platform app you use to find your podcast. Google, Apple, Spotify, Podcast Republic, whatever, 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 whatever. That helps people find us. Yes, and please recommend, if you enjoyed this podcast, please recommend this podcast to anyone you think that would benefit from the information provided here. Emergency Room, The COVID Diaries is written and presented by Matthew Hall and Guy Madison. Produced by Guy Madison, Matthew Hall and Ruinous Media. Music is by Mudhoney. Beauty Hunters. Plant or plant, depending on which school you went to. Palm Frauds. 
you'd like to contact us or you need to contact us, just go to the ruinousmedia.com homepage and leave a message there. Same place you can find the podcast. Guy, how do you spell ruinous? R-U-I-N-O-U-S. Media, M-E-D-I-A, dot, the dot, and com. Once again, ruinous, R-U-I-N-O-U-S, media.com.